Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Millie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors and they invest with me on all my deals. So if you're interested in investing with me, I'm actually actively accepting investors to my new deal. It's called Element 41 and it's 494 units in Marietta right outside Atlanta. It's a great class B property and we anticipate between 7 and 9% cash on cash and 14% IR depending on the investor class that you choose. It's a very beautiful property with solid performance during COVID and it's an extremely conservative deal. This opportunity is actually open only to accredited investors. And if you want to learn more about the deal, then go to my website, ellieperlman.com, or you can email me and ask for more information. My email is ellie, which is E-L-L-I-E, at bluelake-capital.com. And just a few disclaimers, this is not an offer to sell securities. That would be in the form of a PPM that will be sent to you. I'm not a registered investment advisor. Every investment has some risk and you should consider everything and consult with your investment advisor, your lawyer, your CPA, etc. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the new accredited investor definition and what the SEC has recently changed, because I think it can impact at least some of you. So just to get started, I just want to make sure that you guys understand the difference between accredited and non-accredited investors. So basically, this is all definition of the SEC, and it hasn't changed in ages, I believe. And so accredited investors are those with either $200,000 a year in income in the past two years, and that would be the expectation to receive at least the same amount during the next year, or $300,000 in income if we're talking about a married couple. Now, not in addition, but basically that's one way of examining who is an accredited investor. The other one is having at least a million dollars in net worth excluding your primary residence. So either one of those, if you fall into either one of those categories, you are considered an accredited investor. Now, why is that important? It's important because some sponsors that choose to basically market their deals, they only open it to accredited investors only, like the deal I just told you about, Element 41. And so in that case, you cannot invest with them unless you are an accredited investor. Now, the new definition, actually, it's a new addition that the SEC has implemented 
It will be effective in about 60 days or so. But basically, they're expanding the definition of accredited investors and shifting the focus away from income or net worth, which this is still the, you know, one of the criteria to be considered an accredited investor. But they've added more categories of people that they might not hit the, you know, a million dollar net worth or 200 or $300,000 in income, but they are pretty well knowledgeable and can make decisions when it comes to investing. And basically, before they made the change, the whole point of creating the definition of accredited investors is because the SEC wanted to basically create that definition and say, anyone who is an accredited investor, we are assuming that they have the right knowledge and the right you know, financial bandwidth to make decisions when it comes to investment. So these folks, you still need our protection, but maybe a little bit less than someone who's making only say, $35,000 a year. And so the SEC used to assume that if you're making enough money or if you have a substantial net worth, then you don't need as much protection as those who make less money and that you're savvy enough to know whether a deal that you're reviewing is actually a good deal or not. And now basically the new changes added more people into that category of accredited investors because they realized that you don't have to have a million dollar in net worth to be knowledgeable or smart enough to know if this is a good deal or not. You don't have to make $300,000 if you're married, if you're falling into any of those new categories that I'm going to discuss in a few seconds. So basically, they have broadened the accredited investors definition, and they said they might, you know, add more to it in the near future. So the first edition is people who actually have series 7, 65, or 82 licenses. So what are these things? Obviously, I mean, you know, if you don't know what those things are, then it probably does not apply to you. But if you're still curious, series 7 license is basically that's a general securities representative, GS. That's a you know type of license for someone who wants to sell securities. So those who have series 7 license, even if they don't make 300,000 years with their spouse, they're pretty knowledgeable about, you know, private securities, about a syndication deal. And that makes a lot of sense. In addition, you have Series 65 license. These are the financial planners and advisors. You know, they provide investment advice for their clients. So, of course, they're going to be smart enough and knowledgeable enough to look at a deal and, you know, make an informed decision on whether the deal is a good deal or not also included in that bucket stockbrokers registered representatives that deal with managed money accounts etc so you know it makes a lot of sense those people that are actually dealing with money dealing with clients with money they review those deals all day and it only makes sense that they can also invest in those deals if they are you know looking at my deals for instance and they give their clients advice whether this deal is good or not or even you know invest on behalf of their client then it makes absolute sense that they would be able to invest their own money in it they don't they're not the ones who need protection you know they're pretty knowledgeable and they can you know be considered accredited investors 
today. And the last piece of the professional licenses is those who have Series 82 license. These are certification that given financial professionals who represent a sponsor, so the sponsor can offer private securities for their clients. Again, very sophisticated, very smart, you know, people who are dealing with securities already. So all of this, you know, actually makes a lot of sense to me. Now, the other bucket is basically people who are knowledgeable employees of a fund. So if there is a fund, for instance, and you have people who work for the fund that could be knowledgeable employees, so maybe not the admin that works in the fund, but perhaps the acquisition manager or the underwriter. I mean, this guy, you know, maybe he doesn't make $200,000 a year. Maybe he makes one hundred and fifty dollars or even $90,000, but he's very knowledgeable. He underwritten the deal. So he in a good position to say, hey, I want to invest 25 or 50K out of my own money. And, you know, that's basically what the SEC had, you know, what they realized is that you have some people that are very, very knowledgeable when it comes to securities and investments. And so only knowledgeable employees that don't meet the income or net worth requirements, but they are knowledgeable employees of a certain fund, they can be considered as accredited investors when it comes to investments in this specific fund. Now, you know, another category, family office members, so family offices with at least $5 million in assets under management. To be honest with you, I think that most members of the family office are accredited investors anyhow, but perhaps it, you know, if you group multiple family members and each of them have maybe a little bit less than a million dollars in net worth, then together they can be considered you know, as accredited investors. Now, the last portion can be very relevant to many of you. And this is kind of a new thing that the SEC is talking about and allowing to do, which is the spousal equivalent pooling of resources. So spousal equivalent, you know, I think it's pretty understandable if you share a life with someone, he's your spouse, but you're not exactly married. So basically you can pool together uh, spousal equivalents assets. So both of you can be considered accredited investors. So if you have, let's say, someone who's been sharing a life with their partner for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and each of them has half a million dollars in net worth. And so together, they can pull their assets together as if they were married, because as a married couple, if each of you owns half a million together, you can basically have a million dollar in net worth. So the spousal equivalent can actually be relevant to many people. And together, you can pull your assets just for the sake of the accreditation. So there are other kind of buckets, other, you know, Indian tribes and other parts of the new amendment that, you know, increases the pool and adds more and more people and entities that can qualify now to become accredited investors. Now, the new amendment becomes effective 60 days after publication in the federal registrar. So it will take a little bit more time until it's going to become effective. Now, what does it mean for you? If you're already an accredited investor, it doesn't change anything. The rule doesn't increase the net worth or the income, you know, threshold. It doesn't take it away from you. So basically there's no change whatsoever. If you're sharing a life with someone who can be considered a spousal equivalent, then that can actually help you a lot because you can 
you know, share your assets only for the accreditation purposes, and then you can be considered an accredited investor. And of course, if you work for a fund, if you're a general securities rep, if you're a financial advisor or planner, then now you can become, you know, an accredited investor. Now, in the future, the SEC said that they're expanding the definition even further, and they're going to add more certifications to the financial advisors, you know, to the GS licenses, etc. Because there are other licenses out there of people who are highly, you know, sophisticated when it comes to investing in real estate. And so that definition is going to be expanded. Now, I actually think that this is a step in the right direction. It's a good expansion, but I actually, in my mind, I think that there should be some very comprehensive tests that everyone can take. And if you score, you know, above a certain score, then you can be considered an accredited investor. There are people who are not accredited, but have invested in 10 or 15 different deals as limited partners or, you know, investors that they might not be accredited, but they own fourplexes, duplexes. They're very knowledgeable about single family homes, multifamily, you know, apartment buildings. And so if they can pass a test and they can show I am sophisticated enough, if not, you know, more than someone who makes $200,000 a year, this is what you want to look at. These are the people that you basically want to say, they are sophisticated, they're knowledgeable. There's no reason why we shouldn't open the 506C raises to them. So I actually think, again, the SEC understands that there are more and more people that are very sophisticated when it comes to real estate investments. And they wanted to open the door to more people to actually invest in syndications. And I think this is a step in the right direction. But again, I think there should be an exam. You can make it challenging. You can ask about IRRs. You can ask about a lot of things that, you know, many people might not know how to answer. But this is a great way of adding more people and basically shifting the focus from income or from wealth to knowledge, to experience, because you want to protect people without knowledge or experience. But if they have that, then they should be considered as accredited investors. So, you know, that's just my opinion. Again, if you're looking at a deal, I encourage you to always, always consult with your financial advisor, your lawyer, CPA, because every deal is, is a bit different and everyone's, you know, your situation might be different than another investor's situation. That's it. That's what I have for you today. I hope that that brought value to you. So that's it. You know, be bold, be great and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.